0: Hello, on behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. I'm David Osman, and with me today is Geoffrey Christian of the CPM Group. Our subject for this podcast is the outlook for precious metals. The Independent Research Forum promotes a wide range of high-quality independent research providers from around the world, both macro and micro. Some stock-specific, some sector-specific, some country-specific, many global, and all are investment-related. In recent years, both bond and equity markets have risen to valuation levels that are expensive. In the face of rising inflationary expectations, several of the major central banks are now looking to tighten their monetary policy stance. Interest rates are generally expected to be on a gently rising trend next year. In these circumstances, many investors are looking to increase the weightings of precious metals and other commodities in their portfolios. A key consideration is what will happen to the price of gold. To discuss the outlook for precious metals, both in the short term and in the longer term, I'm very pleased that we're joined today by Geoffrey Christian, who is the founder and managing partner of the CPM Group. Geoffrey Christian has been a prominent analyst and advisor on precious metals and commodity markets since the 1970s, with work spanning precious metals, energy markets, base metals, agricultural markets, and economic analysis. He founded the company in 1986, spinning off the Commodities Research Group from Goldman Sachs and its commodities trading arm Jay Aaron and Company. Jeffrey has advised many of the world's largest corporations and institutional investors on managing their exposures to the commodity markets. In addition, Jeffrey has provided advisory services to the World Bank, the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund and numerous governments. CPM Group is an independent commodities research consulting asset management and investment banking firm that provides comprehensive research, analysis and advisory services. CPM Group is highly regarded for its research, analysis and commentary on metals markets and other commodities, its overall economic analysis of commodity markets and its expertise in financial engineering using derivatives to structure optimized positions for corporates, investors, and financial market participants. Jeffrey, welcome. Let's start with a brief introduction to the service that CPM Group provides.
1: Thank you, David. Uh, I think you've done a wonderful job, better than I could, in describing CPM Group. Yeah, we are an independent research consulting company. Coming out of J. Aaron and Goldman Sachs, we have perhaps a greater financial orientation and background than some other commodities research shops. So we understand how commodities trade, how they're hypothecated, the flow of of materials there. We have produced annual reports on gold and silver since the 70s and platinum group metals since 1981, as well as specialty metals like manganese and molybdenum and tantalum and uranium and other metals. We provide research in the form of monthly precious metals, base metals, reports, annual yearbooks on gold, silver, platinum group metals, quarterly reports on specialty metals, special reports. But most of our work is consulting. And it's it's basic consulting, answering questions related to particular commodities, or global questions like we are an institutional investment firm or a pension fund, should we be investing in commodities? And if so, how and what are the expectations that we should have about having commodities added to our portfolio? We also do some asset management advisory work, commodity advisory work on hedging strategies and using commodities options for hedging, say, uh, exposure to mining companies. And then some other work on advising institutional investors uh, about the wisdom of investing in individual assets, either deposits or companies.
0: Now, when considering the outlook for the price of gold, you look at a range of factors, not least the macroeconomic environment, political factors, and the gold market fundamentals. What are the most important factors at present?
1: Yeah. Right now, I believe that the most important factor is interest rate trends and directions and levels. Uh, And while we're seeing some upward pressure on interest rates likely to emerge over the course of 2022, and we've seen gold and silver prices along with a lot of other assets fall over the last couple of days predicated on that view, we point out that on a real inflation-adjusted basis. Interest rates, treasury rates are still negative and are likely to continue to be negative for many years to come. I mean, even if we see 10 year bonds go from one point, you know, they've spiked up to 1.6% right now, even if we see them go to 2.5%, if you have inflation at 4% or 5% or 6%, you have negative. Interest rates not only on short term treasuries like uh, 90 days, but also on 10 year bonds. And that's likely to persist for many years. In that kind of environment, some of the detractions of investing in non dividending, non yielding assets like gold and silver disappear. And you have inflationary concerns as well. So we look at interest rates, we're looking at interest rates very intensely now we do expect them to rise, but we expect real interest rates to stay low. And we think that nominal rates will stay below that threshold that we look for, where investors start to say, why would I invest in gold and silver when I can get you know, 6% uh, in a treasury? We don't see 6% treasuries for the foreseeable future. So we're paying a lot of attention to interest rates. Once you do that, then you're going to be paying attention to Corporate bond markets, equity markets, currency markets, and other assets that you would put in your portfolio. So right now we're looking at interest rates. Uh, we're looking at currencies and and alternative assets and investors' interest in gold and silver as portfolio diversifiers and assets. Inflation has become more important as a topic that people are studying, and we're doing a lot of work on there. We are of the view that most of the inflationary pressures we're seeing in 2021 are, in fact, transitory, and that by the second and third quarters of 2022, inflation will no longer be an issue in the financial markets. People will be pivoting back toward employment, unemployment, and possibly even deflationary pressures on the longer run, which is something that we see. I think gold also plays a big role as a safe haven. And one of the themes that we've seen emerge really over the last 10, 12 months now is the increased interest in gold and silver due to political problems, domestic political problems in the United States, China, parts of the Europe, the move, the, the fact that the UK is now Brexited. And what does that mean, A, for the UK economy, and B, for the countries remaining in the EU? Uh, Russia is an issue. So we're looking at domestic political problems. We're also looking at international political problems, the tensions between China and the United States, China and Canada, China and Europe, China and Russia too, uh, truth be told. You don't hear about that a lot in the West, but there are some tensions there. So we're looking at uh, increased role of political issues and political uncertainties leading investors to buying gold and silver.
0: So Is the bull market in the gold price over, or does it have further to run?
1: Our view is that it has much further to run in the longer term. I mean, when we talk about the bull market that we're watching, we're talking about a long-term bull market that we believe began in 2000, 2001, and had an intermediate peak in 2011. We saw consolidation at higher levels from 2011 to 2019, And now we think that we're in the beginning of the next upward phase that's likely to take gold prices to record prices high far above uh, $2,000, which is the peak that we saw last August. Uh, We think that uh, gold prices have a lot further to run in the long term. On a short term, we saw that price spike up to $2,000 in August of 2020, and the price has come off and has been consolidating. Our expectation is that the consolidation will probably continue through most of 2022, but that at some point we will stop that consolidation phase and move into another round of increasing prices for gold and silver as investors become more concerned about the political and economic and financial uncertainties that they are facing personally and that the world's facing.
0: Can you say a little bit more about how you see that period unfolding in 2023 to 2025, in terms of your concerns about the world economy and the political situation? What What do you feel are the, um, the main factors that are going to be driving investment in gold?
1: Right. Again, it's pretty much the same. And, and you know, when I was talking about the factors that we're looking at right now at present, I left off the commodities. And gold as a commodity and I think that you have to pay attention to that because the gold market is relatively tight right now there is a lot of metal in inventories but historically that has not precluded higher prices and one of the interesting things about gold is investors as a group tend not to sell it which means that when investors other investors want more gold because they're concerned about the economy or the political environment or their bank stability Uh, When investors want to buy more gold, they have to buy it from newly refined supply because there aren't that many investors who sell their gold when they're bearish or when they're bullish. And it's an interesting characteristic of the gold market. Now, going forward into 2023, 2025, we look at the deficit spending, not only in the United States government, but across around the world. There is sovereign deficit spending and growing sovereign debt. And that is a problem that sucks money out of more productive investments. And it's going to continue to be a problem and it leads to that debt. So it's deficits and debt, not just public, but also private. We have, as a a world, we have loaded up on debt. And you see that in the Chinese real estate market right now, but there are similar conditions uh, around the world in the private debt markets. So those are real big issues. We think that the Fed has a lot of ammunition to handle it, but going forward, we look for the consequences of the next recession. And our expectation is that we might see a recession by 2023, 2024. If that happens, then you start having more stringencies in, in the debt market and you start seeing greater currency volatility, and you could see investors move from buying around 40 million ounces of gold this year and last year to buying maybe 50 million ounces of gold. And given the fact that those people who own gold in above-ground refined inventories tend not to sell, that increase, uh, you know a 25% increase in investment demand, would be reflected
0: in sharply higher prices. So on a sort of three to four year view, you're seeing gold price go to something like 2,500. But what stops it from going to three, four or 5,000 as some commentators suggest?
1: Right. I think that those commentators who are looking for drastically higher prices suffer from a lack of understanding about the gold market. As I said, investors as a group tend not to sell gold in periods of rising prices, but individual investors do. So if you go back to 2013 or so, you saw, say, maybe 40 million ounces of net investment demand for physical gold, but you saw perhaps 120 million ounces of gross investment demand. Because you had about 80 million ounces of investors selling gold. And you don't see that because the gold market's extremely secretive and private. There's no volume data the way there is in stocks and bonds and currency markets, away from the, the futures and options markets. So you don't necessarily see it. And the reality of the gold market is that, yes, you have about 2 billion ounces of gold that's owned by private investors, you have another billion ounces of gold that's owned by central banks. And that metal in the past has not caused, it hasn't stopped the price from going to $850 in 1980 or uh, $1,900 in 2011 or $2,000 last year. But it has stopped the price from going higher because when you get to these extremely high levels, roughly speaking, about $800 an ounce in 2020 terms. When you see gold prices rise, that's sharply, two things happen. One is there are investors who say, I want to take profits here, and they do sell. And the other thing is that the gold price usually spikes higher because of economic or political or financial market instabilities. It could be high inflation. It could be American hostages in Iran, a quadrupling of oil prices, which is what we saw in 1979. And again, in the period, say, 2004 to 2011. uh, Actually, that was more like a 15-fold increase in, in oil prices if you start with $10 a barrel in 2000. So you start to see two things. One is that those economic and political and financial market factors that are driving investors into gold start to dissipate or correct. And the economic environment changes so that investors say, okay, gold may be peaking. And as they're saying that, they decide to take profits. And that has caused the gold price to stop. You know, gold is a commodity as well as a financial asset and formerly a a monetary asset. And it's still something of a monetary asset. But gold is a commodity and there is enormous supply. The guys who talk about $3,000 and $10,000 gold talk about how the world's running out of gold to mine, which is not true. We have more reserves and resources in the ground of gold than ever before. And we have more refined gold. In vaults and depositories above the ground. So there are limits that are physical in terms of how high the gold price goes before you start seeing a response both from investors not buying because the price is too high or selling because the price is high enough. And you start seeing increased scrap recovery from jewelry, which is much greater than the refined bullion inventories. You know, you're probably talking about tens of millions of ounces of gold that's contained in jewelry, as opposed to in, in refined bullion. And you start seeing increases in mine production. So there are natural breaks to commodities prices rising indefinitely. You can see a spike sharply higher, but it usually doesn't stay. In 1980, when the price of gold went to 850, the annual average price was something like six hundred dollars. When you saw the price of gold spike to $1,900 in 2011, the average price was something like $1,600 because you do have these are commodities, gold and other precious metals. And you do have a supply response as well as a demand response to sharply higher prices.
0: And what are your forecasts for the price of silver?
1: Silver is very it's a similar pattern. We're actually looking for silver to trade between say $22 and $28 an ounce next year. Uh we do expect the silver price to rise sharply at some point in the future, possibly 2023-2025. Uh when you see greater economic and financial and political uncertainties, but we think that in the near term Silver is very well supplied. There's, uh, there are record amounts of silver in registered depositories in New York, in London, and in China. Fabrication demand is rising modestly uh, in the recovery, but with the higher prices that we are seeing, because you know silver was below $20 in 2019 and even in the first half of 2020, uh, silver prices have risen sharply, and that has put something of a break on the recovery in silver use in, 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 in fabricated products. Uh, and it's also led to some increases in, in secondary recovery from end of life jewelry and silverware and electronics. So we're looking for the silver price to sort of trade sideways 20 to $28 for the next uh, four or five quarters. And then at some point probably start rising and probably reach record levels at some future period of time when we have a major recession and a global financial crisis. Could it get as high as $40? Our expectation is that the price goes beyond $40 on an annual average basis during the next bull market, the second leg of the bull market that started in silver around 2005. Our expectation is the price probably goes above $40 on an annual average basis, And then if you look at the relationship between, say, an annual average price and the intraday peak, you can see much higher prices. So in 1980, silver peaked at $50 on an intraday basis, but the annual average was $21. Uh, So you could see much higher prices on a peak, but it can't stay there because, again, it's a commodity and there's an enormous amount of silver that can be out there. And one of the key differences between gold and silver is that when investors turn bearish on gold, they buy less gold as a group on a net basis. And when investors turn bearish on silver, they sell silver as a group. So you have long periods of time where investors are selling silver because they're disenchanted or they're selling silver because the price is really high. So that's a a natural break on the price staying as high as it can spike to. And how do you see the
0: outlook for the platinum group of metals, particularly platinum and palladium?
1: It's an interesting play there because, you know, palladium has moved from strength to strength and record price to record price for much of the last, say, six or seven years, while platinum was dead in the water. And the metals are somewhat substitutable, and they are substitutable in their major market, which is automotive catalytic converters uh, used to clean up exhaust. And what you're seeing now is with record high palladium prices and a very sharp premium of palladium relative to platinum, you're seeing the auto industry and other fabricators shift away from palladium intense catalysts and, and products to platinum intense catalysts and products. And that is starting to apply upward pressure on platinum prices and and downward pressure on palladium prices. So if you look at the prices over the course of 2021, you saw platinum break out of this $800 to $1,000 range that it had maintained from 2015 until this year and and start to break above $1,000. This week it's fallen back below that, but our expectation is that platinum prices rise further over the next several years, while palladium prices seem to have peaked earlier this year and they've come off. And I think that partly reflects the the shift in fabrication demand away from palladium to platinum. And it also reflects an awareness of that shift on the part of investors who are disinclined to buy palladium at what may be record high prices on the way down and are more interested in cycling into platinum, which seems to have upward pressure due to the supply-demand balance between newly refined platinum – and fabrication demand. Jeffrey,
0: thank you for this very informative insight into the service that is provided by the CPM Group. If we had more time, it would be interesting to discuss your views on the outlook for base metals, energy, and agricultural commodities. The Independent Research Forum is offering a short trial to the CPM Group service and can provide details of how to subscribe to the full service. More information is available on request from the Independent Research Forum. Thank you for listening to this IRF podcast with Geoffrey Christian of the CPM Group.